Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Good morning, good day, good afternoon, I guess, depending on where you are. My name is Deacon Tom Burke, and it's really my pleasure here today to be here with Rich Vagie. Deacon Rich Vagie is, is, is a senior deacon for me. He's, he's got so much experience and a wealth of things to talk about. So we're just going to get right into it today. And I'd like to have you tell us a little bit about yourself, Rich, if you would, so that we know the wealth of what you bring to our program today. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you too today, Tom. Uh, I am a retired deacon from St. Clement of Rome. I was ordained in uh, 2001. Uh, I, uh, I'm a proud uh, grandfather of 20. My wife and I have been married 56 years, so that's my first vocation. But I have uh, uh, been a deacon for 20 years at Third St. Clement of Rome. Early in my diaconate, I served uh, at Catholic Charities, so I have an experience there. But most of the work that I've done have been at the parish. Well, that's fantastic. And, of course, we know we won't get into the difference between uh, dual ministry deacons with parish-dedicated deacons, but that's great to be able to get right in there with the people and, and to feel what's going on with their hearts. And what I want to talk to you about today is something that we talked a little bit off the air, and that was how has your ministry recently changed? What, you, you said there was, there was something that happened that, that, that opened up a part of your heart that might have been opened up a little bit, but now is really expanded. And I, I want my heart to be opened up more to Christ. And so I want to know how can my heart be opened up like yours? Well, thank you. Well, that's a, it's a fun story to talk about. I, I enjoy talking about it. I never thought that I'd be at this spot in my life. Uh, in some ways, since I retired, I'm a little bit like Pujols. I'm a retired agent. I'm, free, I'm a free agent. So I, <laughs> I, don't, I haven't had the success that Albert has had recently. But nonetheless, I, I can... I, I'm predicting. I'm predicting 700 for you too. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. But anyhow, when I retired, I took a deep dive as to what I thought was important. You know, I, I decided I'd been a public person pretty well my whole life. The jobs that I had and being at Catholic Charities and a deacon, and and we have some special situations in our family. My wife and I got, my wife and I have got this large family, but we have four special needs grandchildren. And uh, they need my attention, and I decided that when, we, when I retired, I really needed to focus on them. So that's what led me to sort of the spot. One of the, uh, grand, one of the uh, children has muscular dystrophy. And, uh, what, what's his name? His so name I is know. Andrew. Andrew, Andrew. Vagy. Okay. Yes. okay, is that okay? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, anyhow, An Andrew's unique disease, uh, he needs a miracle. So we began praying for a miracle, and that's been part of my wife and I's prayer for a long, long time. And yeah, the, then what happened is that we were on, we were on vacation in uh, Florida, 
and happened to attend a mission, and we, uh, we learned about uh, a priest by the name of Aloysius Swartz. Now, I never heard of Aloysius Swartz uh, before. Is that, uh, is that somebody from, uh, you know, another country? Where yeah, well, we never heard about him, never heard about him before either. Uh, he's a priest from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. He was ordained in 1957. And uh, as a young man, a young boy, he had an attraction to the missions. And uh, he ended up in a seminary in uh, Belgium. And uh, while there, uh, he attended or uh, went to a shrine called Our Lady of Benoît. Uh, and and, and, is, and that, that, is that in Belgium? That's in Belgium. Okay. Benoît, Belgium. Our Blessed Mother had appeared in Benoît, Belgium in 1933. It was in the middle of the Great Depression, economic depression over the whole world. And she presented herself there as the Virgin of the Poor. There were some very simple but important messages that she conveyed. And what I find interesting, Tom, is that I never heard about Aloysius Swartz, and I never heard about Our Lady of Benoît, but it's an approved uh, apparition. And the more I speak to people about it, hardly anyone knows about either one. Wow, because, you know, we, we talk about other uh, places where the apparition Mary ha- has appeared or people believe it, she's appeared, that the, that, the, that the Roman Catholic Church hasn't had the— um, hasn't put the approval on it for a number of different reasons. And if, if anyone out there has a devotion to Magigori and other places uh, that have not been approved, we're not trying to diss anything that, but there was a, that approval process is rigorous. It takes some years. There's a d- degree of investigation. This poor little girl where Mary appeared to was, was, uh, was questioned at some great length. Uh, everything that Mary said was, was in keeping with our Lord Jesus Christ. It appeared that there was an independent, uh, uh, independent uh, uh, phenomenon that, that helped validate that apparition. And so the church says this is an approved apparition, one that until a week ago I'd never heard of either. Until yeah, you helped me with that. pretty interesting. Her message is, if you stand back and look at the incomplete message, basically the way it comes across to me is that she just, she the Blessed Mother, shined a light on the gospel. And, and which, what gospel is she well, really focusing on? particularly all of those dealing with the poor. Uh-huh. She presented herself as a virgin of the poor. She went on to say that she came to relieve suffering for all nations. And uh, so her, her message basically was that we, in order to be followers of Christ, need to take a disposition of being simple, lowly, and detached from things in order for us to identify with Christ live with Christ so that we can serve him and serve the poor. Well, being detached from things is very difficult for us in our culture. The, uh, the idea of serving the poor and actually being in, into the mud and the muck that Jesus walked in uh, is, is easy to think about and maybe watch a TV show about but and, and, and occasionally do a mission on and go possibly to another country. But the idea of that is a way of sanctification or a way to get more holy, a way to get closer to Jesus, a way to get closer to our final destination, heaven, is, is, is not foreign to us, but it may be not the first choice. And what have you discovered as, as you found out more about Mary, uh, the, the Blessed Mother to the poor? Well, this whole matter of detachment was part of my retirement discernment because I know I was involved in a lot of things, just a lot of things, busy person, 
involved in just a whole lot of things that I won't get into, but I prayed for detachment. And, and as it's evolved, I've begun to better understand how uh, not detaching doesn't allow one to allow God to come into your life as he would prefer to. So as I've detached, I find that I'm more open to what God's calling me to do, and I was more open to this particular situation that evolved. Getting back to Father Al again, what happened was that when he was at Beno, when he was in Belgium, he became acquainted with this uh, apparition, and uh, and had made several visits there while he was a seminarian. He was ordained in 1957, so the apparition was approved officially in 1949. So it was fresh in his mind, and it was well known there in Belgium. Anyhow. Uh, he was ordained as a priest of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., but his ordinary allowed him to go to the missions. He was headed for Korea, and before he went to Korea, he stopped by Beno one more time, and while there, consecrated his priesthood to the Blessed Mother can as a virgin of the poor. Oh, excuse me for interrupting. That's beautiful. Uh, can we put this a little bit in a historic context? In Korea in 1957, what was the landscape of what he might have found? Wow. Well, first of all, he, he learned about Korea through a like-minded seminarian who was from Korea. This place in Belgium, the seminary in Belgium, attracts like-minded people who are interested in serving the poor. But what, what Father Al found in 1950, 1957 was that he arrived there on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception in 1957, December the 8th. And if you think about it a minute, that's right after the Korean War. So thousands and thousands of people had left North Korea to get away from the communists. Thousands of men in South Korea had died. So there's this immense poverty, orphans, uh, unbelievable poverty. And Father Al writes on that extensively. Uh, there's a book that he wrote called The Starved and the Silent, which and if you read it, it just tears, it just really, it put tears in your eyes to think about human beings could suffer to that extent. So he, he went there, and this guy is, is amazing. I mean, he, he chose just like Christ. He wanted to imitate Christ. And he, and he decided that what he would do is that he would live as poor. And he then decided when he got there, he didn't move into the rectory. He moved into a lean-to next to the rectory so he could identify with the poor. He lived poor. He, he, he made sacrifice, and he thought it was important to be poor, just as Christ was poor. And from there, he went on to do some incredible things. Shortly thereafter, trying to deal with the poverty, he came across his family, and both mother and dad had died, and he his heart went out to the kids, and he brought those three young kids into his little sh shanty there. And he came up with the idea that maybe what he ought to do is establish an orphanage. So that's how it started. He then formed an order of nuns called the Sisters of Mary. And the Sisters of Mary were young, poor Korean women. And what was attractive to the Sisters of Mary to them is that Father Al wanted them to be mothers to their children. So he appealed to the nourishing side of their femininity, and, and of course they that were relates, very, attra very that, attractive. If you don't mind me interrupting slightly here, is that 
isn't that so close to what the Blessed Mother would have wanted done? Absolutely. You know, you know, the Blessed, we're all children of the Blessed Mother. And if you don't, those people out there that may be listening to this and may say, yada, 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 sure, that uh, Deacon, Deacon Burke has got such a devotion to the Blessed Mother. That's all good for him. That's fine. I'll go on my merry way. That is a different way to live, is to live with the Blessed Mother at your side. And so those nuns discovered that. Yeah, well, going back to Benoit again, when the Blessed Mother appeared to this young girl, a girl by the name of Mariette Becco, she had appeared to him. She appeared to her eight times over a period of about six weeks. She presents herself as not only just being a beautiful person, but she, her disposition toward this young girl is one of being lowly and humble, while at the same time joy-filled. And so she invited this young girl to come out of her home as she appeared to her, and these nuns now, uh, Sisters of Mary, do the same thing in inviting people to come to them, but their disposition mirrors that of the Blessed Mother. It's just beautiful how this all comes together. So Father Al then goes on after that, he goes on to establish the largest nonprofit, non-government program for the poor in the world. He saved more souls, Tom, in the 20th century. He's reported to have saved more souls than any other person alive. His focus was on the salvation of souls, not unlike Mother Teresa, but he did just some amazing work over those years. He died from ALS in 1992. That's another whole story. The last three years of his life, he suffered immensely. So in the meantime, in addition to doing all of these things, he wrote many books on uh, poverty, on, on need to serve the poor, how we as followers of Christ need to live as poor. I don't know what it takes to be a doctor of the church, but this guy has written some really deep and meaningful things that have touched my heart in ways I never thought was possible. So, so, so uh, where, where I want to go is exactly where you are. Um, uh, you've been a deacon for many years. Your spirituality has, right. has progressed. You've tried to be a holy man, as we all should try to be, of course. I'm not trying to put you on a pedestal. Rather, I'm trying to say you've been on your journey, and that journey has taken you to a spot now where you're retired, you're in Florida, you see this mission, you kind of listen to it. Uh, Father Aloysius Schwartz has touched your heart. But it's got to be more than just a snapshot, right? There's got to be more to this. But just talking to you, I realize that, that he's changed by understanding his spirituality. It has helped change yours. Well, you know, it, it all started with that detachment business to be open to the idea to begin with. And at the same time, i got to say that it's been my experience that God rides with some crooked lines. So, you know, we just got to be open to what's coming our way. I never saw this one coming at all. I mean, I, I was retired. I thought I'd just kind of kick back a little bit. <laughs> no, that's not the way it's going to end up. I mean, I just know what's happened here. So essentially my grandson or our grandson, Andrews, pulled me out of retirement because it all started with him and us praying for this miracle. Well, Father Al ended up being made venerable by Pope Francis in 2015. Oh, he was, praise be to God. He, it was declared to have lived an heroic life, and as we both know, that in order for him to be declared a saint, first beatified, he needs a miracle, and then another miracle to become a saint. So when we were at this uh, presentation about Father Al in Florida, 
handed out a little card, as you've seen them before, these little cards. Prayer cards. Prayer cards to pray that this person is being made a saint. So my wife and I took those cards home, and we began to pray that prayer so that our grandson Andrew would receive a miracle. And uh, the more we prayed, the more we got involved. And the more we got involved, the more Father Al, the more we prayed to Father Al, no surprise, Father Al pointed us to the Blessed Mother because that's what Father Al did his whole, time, whole life. The reason we don't know anything about Father Al because he prayed not to be known. He wanted the focus to be on the poor and all of the credit be given to the Blessed Mother, and he prayed not to be known. I'm going to interrupt you just, uh, just for a moment on that because I want to, I want to interject a, a quote by uh, a, another great uh, saint, and that's uh, Saint, uh, uh, the, the, of course, uh, Saint uh, Teresa of Calcutta, uh, but before that, uh, let's go ahead and, and just uh, let everybody know that this is uh, part of uh, St. Joseph's Network, and this is St. Joseph Radio. I'm here with Richard Vagey, uh Deacon Richard Vagey, uh, and uh, my name is uh, Tom Burke, and we're trying to let people know not only about Father Alexander Swartz, but we're trying to let them know about the Mary's action in the world through this, uh, through this apparition, and also the great path to a closeness with Jesus by the path with the poor accompanying the poor. If, is, is that a pretty good way of saying what was going on yeah, here? Yeah, that's right. I think from, from, from what I have reflected on and what I've, I've, I read everything I could about Father Al. I mean, that's the only way. When I, I was so intrigued by his life and his ministry, and it kept coming back to me, how is it that we don't know anything about this guy? And as I read his teachings and his spirituality, I was drawn deeper into my own experiences in life, how that affects me today, what are the most meaningful things that I need to start thinking about. You know, I'm 77 years old, so you, you begin thinking about at this age, you know, that you got to get your act together, right? You're closer to the end yeah, than you, the beginning. You, know, you just think about it a little bit more. It'll I happen. Understand. Those of you that are out there that haven't thought about it yet, it's going to happen. Yeah, so I, 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 I don't I, dwell on it, but, I mean, it's, it's real, right? So how do I respond? How do I grow in holiness? And, and this Father Allen guy has taught me some things that I never – I can't say they're new, but – it's a much deeper understanding of it. As an example, the salvation, yeah, the salvation of souls. How do you touch your heart? Well, the salvation of souls. I mean, I worked at Catholic Charities, right? And I would say that certainly there was a spiritual element to our work, but the focus was not necessarily on the salvation of souls. It was more about social work. And Father Al will say that, look, we're serving all of these thousands of people, but our real goal is essentially the salvation of their souls. So what's interesting about many things that are interesting about these programs, but today the Sisters of Mary serve about 20,000 children in seven different countries. By the way, Mother, uh, the Virgin of the, of the Poor said she was to serve all nations. The Sisters of Mary now operate in seven of the poorest nations of the world. They attract these young people. They now operate girls' towns and boys' towns, which are uh, homes for uh, uh, young adults, uh, uh, basically high school age kids. And they pull them out of the poorest neighborhoods. Uh, many are affected by abuse. And what they do is they bring them into these places, and the sisters gently work with them to bring 
them to deal with the cross that is theirs. But eventually what they're called to do and what they're asked to do is to go back into their communities and to evangelize. So these girls become incredibly uh, involved in their own uh, journey to holiness by dealing with the crosses that they were bearing in some just really horrific situations. Then they go out after having learned the skills of life. For instance, the girls, uh, before they leave, they all know how to, they made their own clothes. So they go out, they're capable of doing that. By the way, they're in school six days a week for five years. Anyhow, they go back, but their purpose is to evangelize. So Father Al's vision was that all of these people would go back into these poor communities. I interrupt you just a second because some of the stuff you sent to me was just amazing. Where the, where follow, the, the article I read, uh, which was a commentary on Father Al, talked about these young women who were come from places where the evil one, like a serpent, is lurking at every every other doorstep. People right. will abuse them or, or, or subjugate them uh, because they are victim. Being, they can be victimized, and these these young women come into these uh, orphanages, and maybe there's 200 of them there, and there's t- two sisters. They send them out two by two, which is very biblical, and then. But it talks about letting them go back for like summer vacation, let's say, or a break. And they've taught them how to lift their head high. And by lifting their head high, the people who would possibly want to to abuse them and subjugate them uh, and, and and harm them, they they're scared of them. Then they right. walk away. Right. And, but just to make sure, they teach the sister. They teach these girls taekwondo, which, <laughs> yes. which is which is remarkable, right? <laughs> right. So so isn't that isn't that the two isn't that the two hands <laughs> yeah. the two hands of Christ? Christ was so powerful, so powerful, right? So in one hand, he reached out to help the the, the help the leper, the one that no one yeah. would touch, and then with the other hand, he had the power of God with him. Well, they they carry the power of God with them with Scripture. They also carry Taekwondo, yeah. uh, which is great. And, and so isn't that a toll person idea as opposed to just saying, here's a meal? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, 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 they're, and they're so happy. I mean, they're so joy-filled. Uh, I was down there just last week again. Uh, I just can't stay away from the place. And um, I just got to tell you a story that really touched my heart. So I have the great privilege of uh, serving as an, an assistant. I assisted at the Mass, and there were 3,500 girls in this huge gymnasium. Wow. Imagine 40 wide and 90 deep, and they're all in rows, and they all got these big smiles. At, at the time of consecration, we consecrated 16 Lord's Saborium, just to give you some idea. And right before... Uh, he distributed communion. Father Dan, who's the chaplain there, I want to get into his role in all this too Absolutely. in a minute. But Father Dan said something to the girls, and he turned back and looked at me. And I didn't quite understand what that was about. It was all in Spanish. I didn't have a clue what was being said. So after Mass, he said to me, I said, what was that about? He said, well, I just asked all 3,500 of those girls if they would offer their communion for your grandson, Andrew. Oh, praise be to God. I mean, I about oh, lost wow. it. I mean, it was just, oh. I'm going, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. the spirituality that just emanates from this place is incredible. So It, it is that interesting because, because to walk with Christ is not to walk inside ourselves, 
but to walk outside of ourselves. Absolutely. Isn't that great? I mean, so yeah. his, his thinking of, of your grandson, Andrew, which we're going to pray for before we're done, and we're going to invite people to pray for him too. But just he wasn't. Th- he was thinking of all the girls, and they're all in his charge, you know. And he's th- and I've read about his story, and we'll talk about him a little more. He works 17, 18 hours a day. He's seven days a week. He's giving himself over. And as we talk about, it's 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 a horrendous effort, and it's an effort that we couldn't do unless we had grace in us. But he he's thinking of where's my heart going. Where's my heart going? My heart goes out to Andrew Vagey. You know, my heart goes out to Deacon Rich, and he's yeah. here. And, and so isn't that what we're call, all called to do? So when we talk about saving souls, which is one of the primary things that, that Father Schwartz wanted to talk about, what, what, is, why, what does that make his way of doing it unique over and above, and what's, the, what's that characteristic that you've tried to take on? Well, I think that it's, it's all about our commission that we received at baptism, and that is, is that we're called to witness to the world in the ways that we can. Not everybody can do it the same way, right? But deep down, we're, we're, we're called upon it only through the attributes that Mary reflected at Benoît. And essentially, she was imaging the attributes of Jesus himself. Jesus chose to be poor. He lived a very simple life, right? He identified with the poor. So similarly, if we want to imitate Christ and be like Christ, we have to be like Christ in terms that we're open enough that through our own humility and through our own detachment, we then can be open to being capable. We can see Christ in others. Well, Deacon Rich, if I'm listening to you right, I think I'm hearing that I don't have to sell all my property I don't have to, to, to live in a lean-to necessarily, but the way your path has been a detachment that has opened your heart up to others and then has allowed you to, for Christ to live more deeply in you by, by, by leading you to a simpler life? Yeah, I think we're, in terms of the material aspects of this, I think Carolyn would tell you, my wife Carolyn would tell you that we're still sorting through what that means for us in our lifestyle. But... Another thing that comes through in Father Al's teachings, uh, this is another element that we've all heard before, but he takes it to a deeper level. He says is that Christ is as present in the poor as what Christ is present in the Eucharist. Now just think about that a moment. Christ is present in the poor if Christ is present in the Eucharist. If you really believe that, what's happened to me now is that I'm a conservative Catholic I don't like what's going on on the southern border. It's surely, it's surely not the way that I would hope that our government would respond, but that's another, whole, that's another whole political issue. But what I have thought about a lot more is that now what are we going to do? If these people that are poor are coming to this country, many of them shouldn't be coming here because of their violence, but there's a great majority that's coming here just to improve their life. Our attitude, my attitude about them has changed. Because, are, because your heart's changed? Because my heart has changed. What, what are we called to do as followers of Jesus Christ to all of those millions of people that have now come and are in this country? Do we really see them as Christ? Now, we might not like the way they got here, but they're here. Right? And they're poor. And they need help. So what does that call us to do? That's an example of the thing that I hadn't thought about. 
in terms of my own attitude about that has changed. Now, I'm not a do-gooder. I don't consider myself having changed in terms of my political views, but it has created an awareness about what are we really called to do? What is our church called to do in this time of crisis for our country? Millions are now here. What are we going to do? And is our church prepared to deal with that? And are we opening our hearts to these people in the manner that Christ calls us to? Well, it's funny you should say that. Uh, and and, and while, you're, while you're speaking, thank you so much for that witness. Because I keep thinking about, you know, Abraham, three travelers came up. He had no idea who they were. As it turns out, biblically, two of them are angels and one of them may be God himself. And he, says, he drops whatever he's doing. He goes gets, and says, would you please stay? Yeah. Would you please stay, enter into my sacred space, my household here. Allow me to kill the fatted calf. Allow me to, to, to give you the best food I can give you. And it's kind of, a, it's, it's kind of something that has permeated the Jewish uh, and hopefully Judeo-Christian life and that, and that that person is like Christ. And we feel that maybe that person is, in fact, Christ. And when you talk about, uh, when you talk about the, the Eucharist, and how that relates to, to Jesus, uh, something that, that uh, Father Aloysius wrote, I'd, I'd like to highlight for just a minute as it equate, equates to that. And I think other people who don't believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist or are unsure because their heart has not been opened to that way and he's not entered their heart in the Eucharist. I, the story that, that, that Father uh, Aloysius Schwartz talks about is if somebody came into your church broke into your tabernacle, took all the reserved hosts out of that were consecrated, they're actually body of Christ, and we believe it's the body of Christ. And, he, and they took those out in front of the church and strewn them all on the, on the, on the roadway to be run, run over by cars. And, and you discovered that shortly after it happened because it was a sacrilegious thing to do. And you would, what would we do? Well, you know, obviously Bishop Rosansky would be at that church. We would, we, would, we would get every particle we could possibly get uh, up off the ground. Uh, we, we would either consume them or, 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 or reverence them and dispose of them properly properly, and we would have days of reparation. We would have massive number of people praying there. They would kneel down in the streets where those Eucharists were in, 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 in reverence to Christ himself that was there. And then, unfortunately, that was the point in the story that I was, I was really getting into. And then the rest of the story, the Paul Harvey rest of the story was, and, and that's if Christ is really present in the poor, He's present as much in the Eucharist. And do we reverence the poor as well? Do we, do, we, do, we, do we pick them up and hold them close to our hearts? Do we, see the, the, their, do we see past their filth to see how great they are? I, I'm sorry, I just had to Shanghai that <laughs> well, story I mean, from you. Well, I mean, you obviously have read, read this. This is a, what you're describing there is a good example of what Father and how Father Al taught. I mean, he, take, he takes you deeper into an understanding of what it means, because just like that kind of an example, you spoke of Abraham. One, another thing that he uses frequently in his teachings is the story of the of of, of um, Lazarus and the and the rich man. We know how they ended up. You know, where Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham, and this rich guy asked, you know, if he, if if we could, if Abraham would help his brothers. Well, as Father Al describes it, it wasn't that. The rich man didn't, didn't give Lazarus anything every time that he walked in, but he completely ignored him. 
He had no idea he was there. He went through his whole life, probably stepped over Lazarus thousands of times and didn't even realize it. Father Al is telling us is that that's the issue, is that especially in a country like ours, it's really easy to to ignore the needs of the poor. We tend to focus on our own lifestyles and how we can improve our own standard of living. Father Al says, look, what Matthew 25 means is that as your standard of living improves, or you have the opportunity to improve your standard of living, if you don't even think about the poor and instead feather your own nest and make your own life better, not to say that we shouldn't pursue those things, but to completely ignore and to overlook the needs of the poor, that's when Matthew 25 comes in when he says, when you did not do it for the least of my brothers, you did not do it for me. And that becomes a judgment issue. So we need to be at least open to considering how we use our resources. Your new friend here happens to drive an Audi, right? I'm not, and, and, and I could be driving a Ford, right? I could be driving a, but it's $20,000 more. So there's an example. Should we have decided, rather than driving an Audi, to take that 20 grand and maybe give it to the poor? Is that what God's calling me to do? I don't know. But I'm just telling you, Tom, those are the kind of things that I'm now beginning to ask myself that I didn't ask myself six months ago, and I've got a long way to go before I understand it all. But well, I'm not going to judge you at all, and I'm not going to comment on the car I drive either. <laughs> but but, but if we don't ask ours, if we don't let Jesus in our prayer ask ourselves let him ask us these questions. Open ourselves up to listen to what he's talking to us about. Uh, my, ne- my next car, not just because of what you said, but, but because of what you mean, my next car will be considered in the light of what Jesus wants me to do. My, I, I want to listen for his voice. I want to be in prayer so I understand what he wants me to do. And, uh, uh, I, and just my personal testimony along these lines is this. When I started giving to the church, my relationship with Christ expanded exponentially. But when I started giving alms to the poor, my heart got closer to Jesus. And I, I, and I think that's what uh, Father Aloysius is talking about. Are you willing to let your heart, if it has to come heart first and then pocketbook, fine. But, it, but, but also the path could be pocketbook and then heart. Yeah, he speaks extensively, he, Father Al, speaks extensively about uh, Matthew's version of the gospel and uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, and Luke's version is that blessed are the poor. And he makes the connection that between Paul, when Paul says faith, and, and uh, St. James says it's works. So those two, he correlates those two, is that it's neither either or, but it's both, is that poverty of spirit will eventually lead to poverty. Okay, so, so let me ask you this. Um, if, I was, if I was listening to this program and I'd, I'd gotten this deep into it and I'd been intrigued by uh, Aloysius Swartz and I'd like to meet Father Dan in, in Korea, how could I, uh, without going to Korea, uh, how could I do that? Yeah, well, first of all, 
Let's talk a little bit about Father Dan. I think it's an, it's okay. an important piece of the puzzle, if you don't mind. I'd, oh, I'd like absolutely, because he so, took over for Father Schultz. Well, I wouldn't say took over, but oh. he is in the same place. Now, Father Al was a leader of the organization. That clearly is in the hands of the Sisters of Mary. So the direction of the organization and all of that, that that's what Father Al was doing. He turned it over, and they're doing a fantastic job. What Father Dan is there is to minister to those children. He is the chaplain. Can you imagine being a chaplain to 15,000 kids? No. No. I mean, just, <laughs> so he's another Padre Pio. He's been down there about three years. He's a priest, again, from the Archdiocese of D.C., just a coincidence. He went there when he was a seminarian, and his heart was touched. He subsequently went back to Washington, D.C., where he served as a diocesan priest for over 20 years, and now he's back. And he, he's physically located in Chalco, Mexico, which is this place where I was at that's just right outside of Mexico City. But Father Dan is another Padre Pio. He sits in that confessional five and six hours a day, and he also has a tremendous healing service where he goes, and I was there, and he, 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 he dealt with these young girls and gave each one of them five minutes of attention and he heals them and tries to bring the poison that was within them as a result of being abused and neglected on all of those things. So this Father Dan guy is amazing in his own right. We might be talking about him being a saint in the future, but Father Dan is going to come to St. Clement of Rome in October, and Father Dan is going to lead a mission, and it's going to be a three-day mission. It begins on Sunday the 16th, Monday the 17th, and Tuesday the 18th. This is all in October. All in October. This is just right in the corner. Right in the corner, and that's why I'm here. I'm trying to make people aware. I think it would be, by the way, a beautiful present to our Blessed Mother in October, happens to be her month, oh, that yeah. we could draw attention to her apparitions at Beno and then how Father Al, what he taught. So Father Dan will be there. And he will lead a mission, and he's going to lead all of us into a deep dive on the topics that we just talked about, the salvation of souls, you know, what it means to be poor, how Jesus lived as poor, and he will take us deep into the teachings of Father Al. The goal would be, after all of that, it's my opinion that we can best help the poor, at least the sisters of Mary, if we get this Father Al guy to be made a saint. And coincidentally, if we can get my grandson a miracle, it would be the ultimate. That'd be great. That'd be, yeah. That'd be great. And, and we got to believe that's going to happen. But uh, suffice to say that, you know, if he, if we, we need to pray that he becomes a saint. Just imagine, Tom, just for a moment, just imagine what it would mean for a American priest of the stature of Mother Teresa to be canonized. And for all of us in the United States to take a deep dive into things we've been talking about this morning and not focus on all this other nonsense that we're talking about now most of the time, wouldn't it all draw us, and as a country, wouldn't it draw us closer to holiness and what we're called to do? So I'm excited about the possibility of Father Al becoming a saint because what it would mean for our church, what it would mean for our country, and certainly what it would mean for our priests who have been really been... Uh, Maligned. Maligned because of the sex abuse scandal. So yeah. they would all be lifted up. So I'm pumped about the possibility that our mission would potentially lead to his sanctification and that it would draw attention to his life and all that could happen as a result of that. 
Well, I, I, I see the joy that exudes from you, and, and, and uh, we may have met earlier, I don't recall, before, before today, but uh, I see the joy that exudes from you. Is that part of the change in your spirituality? Well, I've always been a passionate guy. Uh, and I, when I get involved in something, anybody that knows me, uh, when I get in something, I'm going to give it all I got. And, and, but I, I, this is different. Uh, yeah. When I got back from Chalco, uh, one of the things that, that, well, let me back up just a little bit. The Sisters of Mary, are, they take the traditional vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And Father, Dan, Father Al wanted them also to take two more vows. One was a vow to service of the poor. And another one would be three hours of prayer a day. So Father Al himself prayed three hours a day in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and he expects all of his sisters. Now, you can imagine how they're busy taking care of these young girls, but they pray three hours a day. That's part of their ministry. So I think what, and what Mary did at Bano, they're following exactly what she called them to do. At the end of those apparitions, she told this young girl repeatedly, pray and pray fervently. So prayer has got to be at the center of, of, of one's life. So to imitate Jesus Christ, of course, prayed all the time. So to answer your question about joy, I found that the deeper dive that I take, and act, again, it's, detached, it's a matter of detachment, right? You've got you to separate enough time in the day to pray. But I found that through that prayer, you know, there's more joy in my life. I just have a different attitude about things. And I, I just pray that it will continue because it's a, I'm at a different spot than I've ever been, and I'm, I'm 77 years old. And I, it's, it's only with God's grace and the Holy Spirit's movement that any of this is happening. And I'm committed to doing all I can to bring more attention to Our Lady of Bono and Father Al. So that's why I'm here. Oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, I can see that, I can see that on you, and I'm just describing it as we're here. And... and uh, uh, now, obviously, not everybody has time to pray for three hours a day. And praise be to God that you do, because uh, I'll give you some prayer intentions before we leave, and maybe you can pray for some of mine, as we will definitely pray for your grandson, Andrew. But I'm thinking that the, just the simple things you've talked about today, if I could highlight them, the simple things of, of I'm going to simplify my life. I'm going to look at the things that, detra- that distract me from becoming a, becoming a stronger spiritual person, becoming a more rounded spiritual person. I'm going to see how I can get Christ by thinking about somebody else other than myself. Maybe I'm going to get a little closer to Christ by a little what what some of the people call emulation, or just I'm going to go ahead and and not have that three dollar and fifty cent, or I don't actually know how much it costs now, four dollar and fifty cent latte. I'm going to give that to the poor. That little sacrifice right. is very little, right. obviously in the overall scheme of things. But isn't it great? Jesus likes a little gift now and then. Right. He likes a gift of ourselves. Well, it's just a dis a, a disposition. I mean, you have to be predisposed to be willing to deny yourself. And, and of course, that's a big part of what comes out of Father Al's teaching. It, we're familiar with the parts that says, take up your cross and follow me. But before he says that, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So we are called to deny ourselves. So, and so that if doesn't we, mean... If, that, if I were somebody who said, you know... Uh, that's the last thing I'm going to do is, is is sell my Audi or my or or, 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 or my car. I'm not I'm not going to decide to uh, to not go on that that 
$4,000 vacation every year. I'm not going to decide to do that. Those things are so important to me. I can't do that. Um, what would you say to that person who, in their heart, though, wants to start? Well, I th- here's what Father Al says about that. You know, I, I don't know if your new friend, Deacon Rich, here has any pearls of wisdom, but I have, I have learned a lot from my Father Al. And what he says is that, look, first of all, there's balance. You know, we're all at different states in life. We shouldn't beat ourselves up about if we're living a good life. That's not what we're talking about. But it's a gradual thing, at least to, you know, maybe deny yourself a cup of coffee. And who knows, next week you might be denying yourself a lot more. You'll find out that it isn't as hard as you should. And maybe a year from now, you might be to the point that says, you know, I really don't need that extra week of vacation that I thought I need, or I don't need whatever it might be. So his advice is to approach it with balance. Don't, don't go overboard, but at the same time, reflect on what it is that we're being called to do and do what you can do at the moment and what you're inspired to do at the moment, and you'll be inspired to do it at the moment if you're close to Christ through prayer. Well, that, that's wonderful. Uh, uh, we just celebrated this past week St. John Chrysostom, and I may have mispronounced his name. Uh, <laughs> you correct me if I can. Cause <laughs> that's Christendom, I Christendom. think. Christendom, okay. Once, <laughs> w- once that gets in my head, I just can't get it out. I hope it doesn't happen to you. But, but he said a couple things that really, really touched me. And one of the things he, he said was, was the, the coldest heart in the world is a Christian who doesn't seek to save another Christian. Wow. And we have to save ourselves first, in a way. And that yeah. means we get closer to Christ. Christ will tell me what I have to give up. I, don't, I can start with some little gift, you know. But then, if, are you willing to ask him? Are you willing to ask him, what can I do for the salvation of, so, of somebody yeah. else's soul? And that could be, that could be time. Uh, that could be uh, uh, just giving up yourself a little more. But it might just be some, a start as simple as saying, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a few extra minutes in prayer instead of on, on, on my computer. Or I'm going to spend a, little, a few extra minutes of prayer. And I'm going to do it by TVing some, some, something I want to watch so I don't watch the commercials. You know? Or I'm going to turn the TV off during those three and a half minutes of commercials. Anything like that gets us closer to the heart of Christ, which gets us closer to helping somebody else. One other quote, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reloading this and firing it at you, is that uh, uh, the same saint uh, said this that the rich were made for the benefit of the poor, but the poor were made for the salvation of the rich. That's and right. And, of course, Father Dan, teaches, uh, Father Al, pardon me, speaks extensively on Matthew 25 and uh, how the, he said before uh, Jesus delivered uh, his message in Matthew 25, the poor were just the poor. That's what Father Al says. Before that moment, they were just the poor. But after the poor, after that, and his proclamation that we would be judged based on how we treat them, all of a sudden their role in our lives has changed. And if we, we, it's hard to, at least it's hard for me, to sort of understand how the poor could be our judge. But if we understand that Christ is in the poor, not in their, you know, as Father Al describes them, they can be hard to deal with. They can be smelly, they can be dirty, they can be a hassle, they're going to bother you. But just like Christ is in the bread, 
the bread is still the bread, but Christ is in the bread. The poor are still going to be poor, but Christ is in the poor. So if you see them as Christ, then you begin to think differently. So after Matthew 25, their role has changed significantly with regard to how we will be judged. So how is it that we continue to feather our nest when there's millions of people in all the poor countries of the world that would benefit from the amount that we could set aside? So again, it's not a matter of giving up everything you have, but at least reflect on what Christ is calling us to do in Matthew 25. And again, the other thing that occurs to me, I go back to Lazarus and the rich man. Are we just ignoring people? If we don't even think about them before we make a decision, we're not unlike that rich man who stepped over Lazarus for all those years. Well, let me, let me highlight just a second uh, what's coming up. But first, uh, let me remind our viewers here, or not viewers, our, our listeners here, that, uh, that we are here are on Catholic Radio. We are on St. Joe's Radio in Cottleville, Missouri, and that's part of St. Joe's Evangelistic Network. And we're here talking with Rich Vagie. Deacon Rich Vagie has, has, uh, has had a new awakening in his life, and that's a new understanding of getting close to Christ in the, in the poor, getting close to the Eucharist by, by understanding the poor and his docility. And you've, you've given us an opportunity here that, that rarely happens, and that is to, to find out more about somebody we didn't know about, and that's, that's Father Aloysius Schwartz, but also be involved in a mission and go, go a little deeper into that understanding than we could do here. Can you tell me a little more about when that is and, and what that's about? Yeah, well, as I said, it's October 16th, 17th, and 18th. It's a multi-parish mission. Everyone is invited. We anticipate that those nearby St. Clement would most easily come, but certainly anyone's invited. By the way, I was interviewed by the St. Louis Review earlier this week. There, hope we, there will be an article about this whole matter there. Uh, flyers will be there to remind people where they're at, but it will be every night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Father Dan Leary, who is this chaplain down there, uh, will be— So he's coming out from Mexico. He's coming out of Mexico. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, we're going to live stream it, by the way. I should add this. Uh, we're, we're having a youth event at, at, at a neighboring parish. St. Gerard is going to host it. And we're hoping to live stream the, uh, the mission to young people that evening. Father Dan will be speaking with them, and then uh, we'll later on come to the mission. But back to your question, Father Dan will be there for three nights. We'll have material that will be available subsequently. It will not be a fundraising uh, event. If people are so inspired after they hear what Father Dan has to say, if they want to give to the Sisters of Mary, that would be great. But the whole purpose of that mission is to draw attention to the teachings of Father Al and more importantly to what Our Lady was telling us at Bano that inspired him. So that's the whole purpose of that. And then obviously to reflect on these things and to ask ourselves what Christ is calling us to do at this stage in our lives. Well, I, I want to highlight something that Mother Teresa said. And there's so many times, and, and, and I'm sorry, I'm, I, I don't want to hijack what you're talking about, but when we come together for a mission and we come together for prayer, um, it's oftentimes people will, will say something to me, will you, will you uh, uh, pray for somebody? And I will. Or I'll say, I, I, I have something going on in my life. And uh, they 
they'll say to me, well, I'll, I'll pray for you or I'll consider that. And I think that's really powerful. Prayer is very powerful. And, and, but, but I want to add that one extra bit that you've kind of highlighted today and that sometimes prayer is a part of an active Christian life and an active Christian life is always acting. Okay, like Jesus, he always acted on the world. He went off and prayed all night long, but he always came, at, came back. He proclaimed the gospel and did good works. And, and uh, what uh, uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta says, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us, and we change things. Now, isn't that a, exactly what... Father Aloysius is talking about with three hours of prayer. Well, in addition to that, what makes me think as you're reading that is that he, he Father Al, says we need to pour a lot more than they need us. Oh, wow. And so, and so uh, what does that meant for you to, to, uh, to intrinsize that kind of attitude? Well, I mean, as we've discussed, I mean, it's just a sensitivity. And I think that as Our Lady spoke, but no, it, it really goes back to the overall disposition of being, imitating Christ, living like Christ, being open to those around you, being, hope, being, being sensitive to their needs, responding to their needs as best we can given our situation and our resources and all of those things. So uh, there's a lot to think about here, at least what I've, you know, I'm still learning about what Father Al had to said, what had to say, but I'm hoping that maybe after this this uh, mission, I'm even giving some thought to creating maybe a society of, of like-minded people who might all of us then could be uh, take a deeper dive on a continual basis. I would hope that uh, that we just don't have this mission as an example. And, and everybody leave there and a month later forget about it, I'm hoping that this will lead to a commitment to a different lifestyle and at least reflecting on the things that Father Al attempted to teach us. Well, I wanted to do one thing before we leave, and it's very important. I, 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 want, I, I want and have every confidence in the ability of a saint, a pre-saint, uh, Aloysius Schwartz, to intercede on behalf of your, of your, of your grandson. And would you join me in the prayer that you brought me with me here today so that we might all pray this out together to our Lord, lifting our hearts up as St. Augustine says, and asking for uh, the Venerable Aloysius Swartz's intercession. Please. Would you start? The prayer for the intercession of Venerable Aloysius Swartz. Almighty, ever-living God, giver of all good gifts, you have filled Father Al with an ardent love for you and for souls. You have inspired him to dedicate his life to relieve the suffering of the orphans, abandon the sick and the poor, especially the youth, which he did with all humility and courage until the end of his life. May his holy life of love and service to the poor be recognized by the church through his beatification and canonization. For your honor and glory, we pray that the life of Father Al be an inspiration for us in striving for for perfection in the love of God and service to others. I ask you to bestow upon me through the intercession of Father Al that Andrew Vagy be cured of muscular dystrophy. I ask this for our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, and the maternal aid of Mary, the Virgin of the Poor. 
Amen. Mary, Virgin of the Poor. Pray for us. Venerable Aloysius Swartz. Pray for us. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much, Rich. And God bless you and your efforts. And God bless you for opening up my heart to more to the Blessed Mother and more to the poor. I think it's just tremendous that, uh, that Mary's always trying to seek us to get closer with Jesus. And this is absolutely one of the, one of the monumental ways to do it. And maybe even open up the Eucharist to more people's hearts. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to draw attention to the mission. And we remind everybody it's October 16th through the 18th at St. Clement of Rome at 7 o'clock each evening. Thank you very much. God bless you.